Hallelujah. First of all, congratulations that you, <laughs> that you are in church this morning. <laughs> I really have an appreciation for the people that came out in the cold. I mean, I don't know about this winter, but it's like it got to me right, right in my bones. And if I'd had a choice, I probably would have stayed in bed. Sorry to admit that to you, but I am proud of you. And I think God wants to just bless you with something extra this morning that you came out on a morning like this and you're like ready to receive. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we pray this morning that the word says, your ways are higher than our ways, your thoughts higher than our thoughts. Then it goes on to say, as the rain and snow comes down and does not return without achieving the goal that it is sent to, so shall your word be. It will achieve the goal to which it is sent. This morning, we pray for you in the building and those who are online that the Word of God will achieve its goal, that it will not return void, that it will complete and bring into completion in our lives the goal to which it's sent. Holy Spirit, thank you that you quicken it this morning, that you accelerate it beyond the, the spiritual into the natural, and that it will achieve in every heart and every mind. Open eyes, give spiritual eyes of sight, ears of hearing, hearts of understanding this morning to receive the promises and the goodness of God in this place this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. And everybody saying, amen. amen, amen and amen. I think I'm going to do this because I don't even think I got to the place of re reading a scripture this morning. I quoted a lot of stuff, but I didn't read anything. So let's do that then so that I don't leave it out this morning. <laughs> Will you go with me to 1 Corinthians 10? Um, hallelujah. We're excited about the Word. All right, so 1 Corinthians 10, and we're going to start off at the first verse, and then we're going to jump. So um, let's go for it. It says, for, I'm going to read out of the Amplified. It says, For I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, that our forefathers were under and protected by the cloud in which God's presence went before them, and every one of them passed safely through the Red Sea. And each one of them allowed himself also to be baptized into Moses. Say, into Moses. In the cloud and in the sea. They were thus brought under obligation to the law, to Moses, and to the covenant consecrated and set apart to the service of God. And all of them ate the same spiritual, supernaturally given food. Say same. same. Spiritual. Supernaturally given food. All right? And they all drank of the same spiritual, naturally, uh, supernaturally given drink. For they drank from a spiritual rock which followed them, produced by the sole power of God himself without natural instrumentality, and the rock was Christ. So contained within these first scriptures is two sacraments. 
The one is baptism. And note that they were baptized in their situation, in that covenant, into Moses, automatically by passing through the, 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 the sea and being under the cloud. In the old covenant, they were passed into Moses. All right? So say baptism. A shadow and time. And then they ate and drank, say communion. So there's two representations there that they had. Now, if they were baptized into Moses, then you have to understand that when you baptized in the New Testament, you're baptized, say, into. Into Christ. All right? So the one is into Moses by going through. And notice they just passed through the water, and they were under the cloud, and that automatically put them into Moses. You have, by faith, stepped into Christ by baptism, all right? And then they ate of the supernaturally given spiritual bread, all right? Food. Say bread of heaven. They ate, all right? And they drank. So right at the start of this chapter, we have two sacraments that he's referring to back in shadow and time. Okay, so jump with me to 17. Verse 17. It says here, For we, no matter how numerous we are, are one body. Look around you this morning. Say one body. Because we all partake of one bread. Say one body, one bread. The one whom the communion bread represents. So you have just partaken of the table which puts you into him, one bread, which makes you one body. In the partaking of the bread, you are in communion as a body. All right? Uh, where was I? He says, consider those physically, uh, those physically people of Israel are not those who eat of the, are, are not those who eat of the sacrifices, partners of the altar, united in their worship of the same God. So in, in those who ate and partake in the Old Testament of the altar of sacrifice, made them Israel, made them one, all right? In the same way, you who partake this morning of this make you kingdom and body of the bread, all right? You'll understand some more about this as we go along. You cannot, um, okay. Uh, 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 okay. Okay. Verse 19. What do, what do I imply then? That the food offered to idols is intrinsically cha uh, changed by the fact and the amounts to anything or that an idol itself is a living thing. No, I am suggesting that what the pagan sacrifice they offer in effect to demons, to evil spiritual powers, and not to God at all. I do not want you to have fellowship and be partakers with diabolical spirit by eating at their feasts. You cannot drink the Lord's cup and the demon's cup, you cannot partake of the Lord's table and the demon's table. 
Okay, so I just want to read that this morning and say to you that the focus that I want you to have this morning is not so much this comparison that he's talking about there, although it's important, about the demon's table and the Lord's table, but for you to focus this morning on the more powerful element that we're looking at the morning is that you, by association and partaking, have associated yourself with the Lord's table. Say a more powerful, a more eternal. All right, so you are partaking of this table this morning, and that makes you partnered to, associated with, and one with the Lord. Okay? Jump to um, verse 27. Um, no. Uh, where am I? Where am I? Where am I? Uh, let's go back here. Mm. Okay, verse, verse 20. But I'm going to go jump into the King James. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to, the, to God. And I would not that you should be fellowship with devils. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table. And the table. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? All things are lawful for me, but not all things are expedient. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Um, uh, da, 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 20, 27. If any of them that believe uh, not bid you to the feast, uh, and you are not disposed to go, what, whatsoever is set before you eat, asking no questions for the conscience' sake. Ah, man. But if um, any man say unto you, uh, da, 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 no, no, that's not what I, I wanted to read. But okay, um, verse, let me just go back. Okay, the most important thing here is the uh, 16th and 17th verse. The cup of blessing, um, yeah, yeah, the cup of blessing of the wine at the Lord's Supper upon which we ask God's blessing, does it not mean that in drinking it, we participate in and share the fellowship, a communion, say fellowship, a communion in the blood of Christ, the Messiah? And the bread which we break, does it not mean that in eating it, we participate in and share in the fellowship, the communion in the body of Christ? For we, no matter how numerous we are, are one body because we all partake of one bread and the one whom the communion bread represents. Okay, so origin of this message, I'm going to jump away from that for a moment, but origin of this message is Sean is preaching. Every message comes in a different way. God is always speaking. Are you always listening? And so Every message comes in a way. This message has its origin in one morning. Sean is finishing the message, and I hear communion. But not in so much as the table, but as the body of Christ in union, communion with one another. We are in Him. He is in us. And that communion, that body of Christ, I suddenly realized that there's a power of entering in. And the deeper you communion with Him, the deeper you enter in, the more that which you've entered into makes you part of. Part of each other as the body of Christ, but also part of His body. All right? So there's a oneness. Okay. 
Leave that for a moment. Peter and Adele and the band sang beautifully. Thank you, Lord, for the worship. I love you, Lord. I love you more than life. Your love to God, your ability to love. Sometimes we feel insufficient in the love that we want to sing about. We're singing it, but we say, Lord, I, I, I don't know whether I can actually sing this song to you. I feel unworthy. I feel not as if I could sing this to you. Your love for Him is not dependent the way you love, the ability to love is not dependent on your love, never is dependent on your love. Your love for Him is generated from one thing, His love for you. His unfailing, undivided, never-ending love for you. So I sing that, not because I'm able to love Him more than life, but because He has loved me unconditionally, is loving me, will always love me forever. And because of that love, I love Him, the Bible says, because He first loved me. All right? You get it? So I love you, Lord. I love you more than life because the more I come to this feast of love, when I stand at this table, the realization that I can never outlove him overrides everything that is about me. All right? So God, I, I want to use it in, in, in due respect, but hear me out. I think God's very clever, almost sly, to put certain things in our way in the Word that He knows how to do this. In this implication, that He puts the communion in my way. As often as you come to this table and knowing that He gave it to us as a recurring feast, what happens? At my remembrance of Him, do this in remembrance of me. At my remembrance of what he does, it puts it in the way. So when I get to the communion table, pastor's doing communion this morning. And I get to the communion table and I take the elements and I walk away. I take the body and the blood and suddenly I'm confronted by a never-dying, unending, all-powerful love that ceases, never ceases to pursue me. Are you with me? So I used this example this morning. I said, the thing about being a pastor, a pastor, a pastor, as the Italian pastors would know, pasta. Okay. The thing about being a pastor is that I get to, by force of my position, have to prepare a message even when I don't want to, or I don't feel to, or I feel incapable to, or I feel not worthy of, I have to go and prepare. And so when I sit down to prepare a message, in going into the Word, what happens is I am confronted by His love for me. All right, so I, I wanted to read this to you. There's a song 
Um, it's by universal, what, what? Universal? United. United Pursuit. United Pursuit. Since your love, you can go and look it up. Since your love, United Pursuit. Okay. Here are the words. You are the light song of my life. You always lead me. You are the voice inside. You are my love. No one before you. All that I am points to you. And I was made by you, and I was made for you. I am unfulfilled, and here's where that word communion came from, without full communion. I am unfulfilled without full communion. So, what I want you to see this morning is that God wants us completely encapsulated in Him. He, we, we, we love Him because He first loved us. It's not he died for me, so therefore I must die or must live for him. That's a, that's a performance-oriented st statement. He died for me so that he can live as me through me. He didn't die for me that I can die for him or live for him. I can't do that. He died for me so that I can, he can live as me, in me, through me. He comes to indwell me. That's full communion. There's a presence in, indicated there that I need. So I was saying, now I have to prepare a message. So God's given me something, but I don't feel worthy to preach it. I don't feel like preaching it. I don't. So <laughs> I don't know what this guy's name is. I'll try and give it to you because th this, is, this is so awesome. Uh, I, it blew me away. Um, let's see if I can get this quickly. Okay, let's see. What, what is this guy's name? Um, okay, wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. Uh, volume full up. Give me a little bit of what's the name. I'll give you his name now. All right, listen to this. Work. Then got stuck in traffic. Then almost got involved in an accident. You might have even hit a pothole. Then you come across a traffic light that doesn't work. And before you arrive at the office, it just seems like everything is going wrong. And you ask yourself, what's going on today? It's your energy. You're attracting that which you are. The science tells us that actually the law of attraction is the law of resonance. You will attract the frequency at which you resonate. So if some things in your life are not going right lately, Maybe you are buzzing wrong. Maybe your frequency is the problem. Maybe you need to change what you read, change what you listen to, change who you talk to, and change what you're thinking. Because that which you're putting out, you're metaphysically bringing into your world. The law of attraction, my friend. It's real. Try it. Now, I said to the church in the first service, Sometimes you read something 
or hear something like that. And this is the thing. You know that's what you should be hearing, but you don't feel like hearing it. Point number one. Point number two, when you hear it and you don't feel like hearing it, you also feel, I'm not able to push out that positive button right now because you say, I don't want to hear that and I don't want to do that. But here's the thing about faith. Here's the thing about God is that God puts us in a position like me preparing for a message that even though I don't want to do it, when I get hold of the Word and I start meditating on the Word, the Word transitions me from not wanting to do it and not being able to do it into a different person who is encouraged by faith. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So even though Dave is not feeling like preaching, not able to preach, not in a place of wanting to preach in that very moment, the fact that God, that I've, I've got a position that is now, I have to preach to you this morning, I go and sit at the Word, and guess what happens? There comes a transition by meditating on the Word, the Word brings faith. And faith is the power to bring from the unseen into the seen that which I need. So faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. What is happening is the Word has brought that power into my life, and so what happens? I start buzzing another frequency, therefore I start attracting something else. She was in a negative frequency, and there was no finances coming in, but then the word changed her heart and her mind situation to a situation. She started buzzing at another frequency, and so she started attracting something different. So even if you're in a down position right now, the Word has the ability to bring change to your life and cause you to start buzzing at another frequency. All right. So this morning, I said to the people, listen, the Word is God's Word. It's not my Word. It's God's Word. All right? So... So when, when this song first started to play, it says, I was made by you, and I was made for you. So I'm just going to drop this little bomb in here, and then we're going to go back to the table. In the life that you're living right now in the world with its wokeness, this is what I want you to hear. You are not asked or have to be able to produce anything other than what Jesus did in the wilderness when the devil attacked. All Jesus said to the attack from Satan is, it is written. It 
is written. Right? We're going to get to what he said is written, but it is written. So if I turn around and I say in Jeremiah, before you were born, God formed you in your mother's womb. It is written. Have I got the ability to argue with God who is creator God? So even if they persecute me, even if they throw me in jail, because I've said it is written, God formed you. God is big enough and powerful enough and the author of that word. All I have to do is say, it is written. Can anybody argue with it is written? No, it is written. Who wrote it? Whose word is it? God, almighty creator, everlasting father. It's his word, the one who created you. If they argue with it, they throw me in jail, doesn't matter. I have done what he asked me to do, and that's to say, it is written. Can the clay argue with the potter? Two scriptures, three scriptures, put it in there, that's it, it's written. Are you with me? So today, I'm saying to you as a church, in the era, era, era and area of life that you are living in, in the time you are living in, in what you've been called to do as a church, you have to be witnesses to who He is. And all you need to do is stand upon His Word. His Word, right? It is written. What is written? He is the author and finisher of my faith. He is that Word. What is written? What did Jesus say? Okay? I love doing this. I give them the title to my message, but I don't dictate to what they put up there. And then I get in and finally I turn around and have a look while I'm preaching and ta-da. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Say, bread of life. Bread of heaven. Bread of heaven. Feed me now and evermore. Feed me now and evermore. You see, the bread that I get my spiritual sustenance from is the very word that was in the beginning. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The same was in the beginning. Everything that was made was made by him, and nothing that was made was not made by him. He is my very bread from heaven. And so if you go to the start of the word and you start looking at bread at the start, then you see that in the argument between him and the devil in the wilderness, he quotes all the way back 
to Deuteronomy where the law is given and he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every, he quotes Deuteronomy. He says, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So there's this procedure that we see coming down through the ages. And so they're in the wilderness and they're asking for bread. They're asking for sustenance. They're asking for food. And God supplies manna from heaven and feeds them in the wilderness. And we are inclined to want to like jump over that. But in John 6, Jesus is speaking to them. John 6, the chapter starts where he does something. Are you, are you, are you following me? Jesus says to the disciples, what are we going to feed these people? You see the intentionality of it? You see that he, he, although he's multiplying bread and he knows it, and we read that story separate, look what happens after the story. He sits them down, he multiplies the bread, and he feeds 5,000. Later, he feeds 7,000. But right after that, they come looking for him, and he said, you're not looking for me to see more miracles. You ate of the bread, and now you want more of the physical stuff. And then in that very chapter of John chapter 6, later on in the chapter, he says, for I am, the I am, you know the I am, I am the door, I am the way, I am the truth. He said, for I am the very bread, I'm adding the very, I am the bread of life. You know that Matthew, Mark, Luke, Matthew, Mark and Luke have got communion stories in them, but John doesn't. Strange. Matthew, Mark, and Luke referred to the night of the Last Supper. But John doesn't. But John includes something in chapter 6 and chapter 8 about him being the very bread of life. If you, if you look at 1 Corinthians 10 again now and see that he includes the start. He said, do not be ignorant that they were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They ate of the same spiritual food, and they drank from the same spiritual rock, and the rock that followed them was Christ. Chapter 11, verse 22, in the night. I received by revelation, Paul says, that in the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. So do you see bread, 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 all connected in to one thing, Jesus, my bread from heaven, my supply. I, I, I really encourage you, I can't preach everything in one, so I really encourage you to go and type in communion, meanings of, deeper meanings for, and, and do a study in Google or whatever, on communion and see the stuff that's printed out about the communion and get a deeper understanding. Even if even go as far as reading how the Catholics see it, how the first church saw it, how Luther saw it, how everybody and, and don't make up your mind. 
Let the Spirit of God speak to you on the entirety of what Christ gave you at the table and understand there's much more deeper meaning. And as you grow and as you process and as you proceed, God is going to take you deeper and deeper into what actually is provided for you as supernatural sustenance. Sean says, in, in the Bible it says, don't come hungry. Because they were coming and making a feast and a drunkenness of the actual feast. But the, the, the Orthodox Church says, come hungry. <laughs> they, 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 they turn it upside down. So there are, there are things that take place when you look at this and you go, why the one group says, come hungry, the other, two, the other group says, no, come and feed. But the, 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 the story that we have to get, the story that we have to see in the Spirit, come spiritually and eat of Him. Consume Him. Bring Him into you. I read an interesting statement that says, like wax of two candles smelting together. One guy wrote, he said, when you eat, and drink, you are bringing the very life of Christ, and it's melting into you and you into Him, the oneness of the body of Christ. <sighs> Jesus is awesome. And, 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 hey, as the Holy Spirit leads you, as the Holy Spirit brings that into your understanding, see and know and understand what he is saying to you when it comes to the very bread of life. I want, I want to read one scripture that I, I didn't read in, um, in the first service. It's strange when you start to study the word how things start to jump out at you and you start to see stuff like you've never seen it before. Oh, that was what I wanted to do. All right, let me do that first. Let me do that first. Let's have a look at communion. Matthew 26, verse 26 to 29. Mark 14, 22 to 25. Luke 22, verse 19. Luke 22, verse 20. 1 Corinthians 11, 24 to 26. Doesn't include 1 Corinthians 10, yet it talks about the two tables. It says, the communion, it was designed. One... To commemorate the death of Christ, this do in remembrance of me. So I am placed in constant remembrance of what he did for me. Okay? Point number two. To signify, seal, and apply to believers all the benefits of the new covenant. In this ordinance, uh, in this ordinance, Christ ratifies His promises to His people, and they on their part solemnly consecrate themselves to Him in his, and to His entire service. So, point number two, I come to the table, and in constant reflection, I see what He did for me. When I see what He unconditionally did for me, it brings me into a place that I want to love on Him, I want to serve Him, I want to be part of Him, I want to do what He has called me to do. All right? Three, 
um, to be a badge of Christian profession. In other words, when I am taking communion, I am professing, I am putting on like a badge the fact that Christ has saved me and has made me a new creature. It's like a recognition that comes on me. When I take partake of this, I realize what the finished work has done for me. All right? Four, to indicate and to promote the communion of believers with Christ. Five, to represent the mutual communion of believers with each other. And those two points are what I saw when Sean was preaching. The fact that we are welded into and become part of Jesus, we are one body with Him, we are in Christ, and we are in Christ. So what the communion does it brings us into a oneness. It's a communing of the body. So in Acts 22, uh, in Acts 2, the believers are together after the resurrection of Christ in Acts 2, after the day of Pentecost. And it says they came together and they did four or five things. One of the things was they preached or were taught on the doctrine of the apostles. They came in fellowship with each other. They broke bread and they prayed. He said, and it was daily added to the church in that time. 3,000, 5,000. The doctrine of the apostles is amongst other things. First of all, the communion was why they broke bread, but also the finished work of the cross. The gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. If I'm going to preach in Egypt right now or wherever, and somebody says, I don't know your Jesus, the message is, He is your Savior. He died for you while you were still a sinner and at enmity. He paid the price. He died for you. He was buried, and on the third day, He was raised. And the apostles go around the world preaching, we are witnesses of His resurrection. In that time period of 40 days when he was raised, this is what he taught them, the kingdom of God. The kingdom includes the members or the people who are in that kingdom. A oneness of, of calling, a oneness of direction, a oneness of knowing why I'm brought into the kingdom to promote the gospel, to preach the word, the good news, to be part of the kingdom. Now, some people say the kingdom is coming, but I want to say to you the kingdom has come in this sense. When Jesus rose from the dead, he was the kingdom had come. But the kingdom is past present, and continuous. It's not has come or will come. It has come, is coming, and will still be coming. It's the only way to understand kingdom. Kingdom is a continuous thing. Interesting, that same guy that I played the sound, the voice note from, he said, I have a friend. 
He's a Jewish man, very, very wealthy, multi-multi-multi-millionaire. He said, and he's a Zionist. He said, we send back to Israel hundreds of millions of rands, of, of money, currency. He said, why do you send that amount of money? He said, we have a common goal. The, uh, the, 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 ah, uh, what is that right word? The Israel, the, the, um, we have a common goal for Zion. He said, those that are there are establishing and protecting that which is Zion. He said, the rest of us go out and we have medical companies and we have banks and we have all these multifaceted million corporations and all of us are in one mind, we are sending back our dollars to reach the vision. All united around one vision. Christians, you've been called into a kingdom and we should be one in our mindset and our goal in expanding by word and by deed and by finance the kingdom because we are one body. Okay. So I wasn't saved very long talking about the truth again, just talking about the word. And Albie and I went, we were just new, barely new Christians. We took him, he was this size, he still went on his first hike with me up the mountain, stood on the top of the rock, did his little... I don't know what it was those days. Was it um, Rocky? Okay. <laughs> but on the same hotel at Natal Spa, there was a Mormon camp. And when we heard them talking about God, we were so hungry we would eat anything with God written on it. So we said, oh, are you Christians? Yes, we Christians. And they said, and we're still talking. We had no idea what a sect was. S-E-C-T. In case you didn't hear what I said. Not a sex, a sect. Thank you, Sean, for catching the joke. So these guys, sector, African sector. These guys, like, zoomed in on Albie and I. And they wanted us to come to the camp. We're on holiday there. In any case, we were invited to the evening services. But what they did was they gave us a Bible, a Mormon Bible, to read on the afternoon break. And we took that Bible, and I tried by hook or by crook to get into my head what I was reading. Could make no head nor tail of what I was reading. Heard some crazy story about Joseph Smith with golden plates and angels. and I thought, I've been around Sunday school, but this doesn't sound like anything <laughs> I've read before. You know that happened to me a number of times in my walk with God from very young Christian to, to, to the very day.
that I can pick up a book, and I'm telling you this for a reason. I can pick up a book. Franz phoned me the other day, and I asked him, how do you perceive it? And he said, this is why I said, Holy Spirit's already spoken to you. The fact is that you have the spirit of truth that leads you into all truth. And no matter what the sect is saying, I've picked up a Mormon Bible, I've picked up a other Bible, I've picked up a Quran. I cannot get that stuff in. You know why? Because I've been sealed by the Holy Ghost and so have you. He is your teacher, He is your lead, He is your guide, and He will show you and lead you into all truth. So here we have this beautiful table, this communion, this bread of life. So what I wanted to show you, and I'm just going to, when I typed in one of these communion scriptures, it took me back to Deuteronomy where it says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds in Deuteronomy. But then it went on to show me other scriptures in, in Nehemiah of all places. Nehemiah 8 and 9 starts to talk about the spiritual bread that came from heaven and leads you into truth. And, and I'm going, phew, even Nehemiah knew about this stuff. He, this, this word that, that guides you. And so get to John 6 and he says, I am the bread of life. And then start to see how the bread is all over the place, connected to the word, connected to the body. Bread, 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 connected to the word that feeds me, that sustains me, that guides me, the word of God within me, the word, the word, the word. And I'm looking at this stuff and I'm going, oh my goodness, look at all the places that the word is that, that, that the chorus, you are my light, you are my life. Where did we start this year? The light year. Look at how much darkness and how much distraction the world has tried to throw in. But what I'm saying to you this morning is, if you will make this your sustenance, if you will read upon it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to enlighten you. The entrance of my word brings light. It brings life. It's unchallengeable. It will increase your faith. Your faith will become a force that causes you to buzz at the right resonance, that Christ causes you to bring the right things into your life. God has not left you often. He's, he's empowered you. He's literally given you everything you require. The bread from heaven. Ah, thank you, Jesus. I'm battling, battling, battling. The enemy's fighting me, but he won't win. Okay. So, and I'll close with this. This is the communion. But Paul ref, re, refers to the Lamb of God as our Passover Lamb. And this table was given at the Passover supper, Jesus prepared for the Passover because he was still on that side of the cross in the law. They sat down at the Passover meal and then he delivered unto them communion. So let's look at Passover for a moment. On the night that the 
the, the angel of death was going to pass through Israel as the final plague and kill all the firstborn because Pharaoh refused to bow, they slaughtered a lamb. They ate it, and if the house was too small, they were to invite another house, but they were to consume the entire lamb, and they were to consume it all and then stay in the house. They roasted its flesh and they ate it, and then they put the blood of that old covenant on the doorpost. And God said, when the angel of death passes through Egypt, he said, wherever I see the blood, I will stand at the door, and he will pass over. So, the, and, and then after that happened, the next morning, they came out of their houses, and they passed through the doorway under the blood, and that old covenant produced the following. After 420 years of slavery, they passed into freedom. After 420 years of slavery, they got back paid. They plundered Egypt and took every bit of wealth. Egypt, who was the wealthiest nation in the world at that moment, they took everything they had. When they passed under the blood, there was healing to the extent that the Bible says, ah, I feel goosebumps on me now. There was not one feeble one among six million Jews. He said, that is old covenant. But you are partakers of a new one which is based on better promises than these. So when you eat of this Passover lamb, of this table, healing is your portion. When you eat in this New Testament, I'll explain that now, finances is your breakthrough. You are blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. When you eat of this table, deliverance and setting free from any form of slavery is your portion. Everything you require is more than they got in Christ. And just remember, this was a covenant. It was between God and man, and it was based on the ability to keep everything prescribed, and because they couldn't, that covenant failed. He said if it had achieved what it was set out to do, there would have been no need for a bigger or a better one. But because he didn't, he made a new covenant. But that covenant was not between you and him. The new covenant, don't get confused. The new covenant is between God the Father and Christ the Son. He said, how are we going to fix this? Jesus said, I'll go and die on a cross. The Father said, that will do it. He said, I'll become their sacrifice. The Father said, that will do it. They agreed in covenant. They made a pact between each other and contracted on your behalf. And they said, we'll pay the price. We'll take the judgment. We'll take it out of the way. You simply become an heir of the Father and a joint heir with the Son. You step into a New Testament. Old covenant in a box. Law on tablets of stone. Manna in a jar. Note, manna in a jar, inside a box. Ah! And the staff of Aaron that budded, representation of an old high priesthood. Jesus doesn't remain in a box. He becomes a testament bringer. He comes through the box. He brings you a covenant and a law of love. He comes through the box. 
He becomes the bread of life. And He becomes your high priest. Ah, and so He passes through the box. And you are the recipient of a New Testament heir of the Father, joint heir with the Son, and you have now stepped through. Come on, come on, come on, church. Come on, we have reason to celebrate this morning. We have reason. He is the bread, the very sustenance of our life. And He is in me and through me. Ah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Bread of heaven, feed me now and evermore. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Won't you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. Bread of life, bread of heaven, communion. Oh, it's amazing how enemy tries to steal stuff. So what is the oneness I'm preaching to you this morning? If your husband or your wife is saying, husband, if you're standing next to your wife, do me a favor, just put your arm around them round their shoulders, just as, as a demonstration for me because Albie's at the back. When Eve is presented to Adam, the bone is taken out of a rib, and he builds a woman for Adam. Then he wakes him from the sleep and says, ta-da! That's why husbands have that ta-da moment when the bride comes down the aisle for the first time and they look up and they go, oh, I didn't know she was that beautiful. Yeah. He said, this is what I'll name her. Remember, he got him to practice with speaking stuff. This is an elephant. This is a lion. This is a tiger. He got him practicing because he wanted him and everything he named it, it was. Then he brings the woman in, and Adam looks and goes, whoa, man. No, okay, that's my translation. He goes, I will call her woman, because, manen in Afrikaans, because she's bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Am I right? Jump to Ephesians. He said, husbands, talking about love for the wife, he said, no man ever hated his flesh, but loves and cherishes it. As Christ the church. Huh? Huh? He says, For you are bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. Husbands, you will leave your parents' home. You will cleave to your wife, leaving and cleaving, and you will become one flesh. Say oneness. In Christ, we become one spirit with Him. You with me? One flesh becomes one spirit. The communion I'm preaching to you this morning, the bread of life, desired to be not just your bread, 
but like wax melting into wax, He wanted to be in you and through you. Okay. So this morning you partook, and that bread and that wine went in. So now He's in you and lives through you. So this is the problem with marriages today. The husband wants a certain portion just for himself. I want my me time. Don't say amen, say out. And the woman wants her me time. And so there is instead of a complete entering in of the woman into the man, she reserves a place outside. So the man goes around like a bear that's on fighting because he's got a wound he doesn't know he possesses, and he's trying to close it all the time, but he doesn't know she kept the portion out. And the husband, the woman, is not satisfied because she's trying to enter all the way in, but he's got this thing that he keeps in his mind that he keeps her out. So there's a woundedness that causes men and women not to join together thoroughly. In the natural. The same way in Christ, when we do not go for full communion, there's a presence and a place of power when we say, Lord, I'm all the way in, and you're all the way in. And so we're one spirit. There's one spirit in the church to each other. Remember when Paul was persecuting the church? He said, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus that you are persecuting. I thought he was persecuting the church. No, he's persecuting. Jesus and you are one. I cannot touch you and not think I'm not touching Christ. Vice versa. You are one spirit with Him. You are the body of Christ. The problem in the church is the same problem in the marriage. We haven't entered all the way in and saying, God, I want all of you or nothing, and you want all of me or nothing. But when we come to full communion, there's a divine presence. There's a thing that enters into the church when the divine presence of the bread of life enters in full communion. You will have full peace. You will have full deliverance. You have full joy. You have full overcoming. God wants to give you this morning a divine communion through this time. And you've already taken it this morning. You're blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed in Christ this morning. May you receive even more revelation as you go from this place and start looking at all the bread scriptures. There's no way I could cover it all. Amen? Thank you. Father, I pray that every person in this place, every man, every woman, and every child will from this morning Enjoy a communion. Enjoy a closeness. Enjoy a divine walking together with your word, your spirit, your life issuing through them like rivers of living water. I pray it in Jesus' name.
Amen. Thank you, guys.